And so yeah. this is why Bitcoin is different than all of the than anything else, digital or non, and why Bitcoin will always be the gold standard in cryptocurrencies because it's the only one that doesn't have a CEO and a board of directors and a marketing team. There is nobody who has um, control over how the Bitcoin network runs. Welcome to Building Bigfoot, the podcast of growing yourself and your business profitably. Today, I want to introduce Scott Deedles. Scott is in the Bitcoin world, and I think this is going to be a really interesting interview. Uh, So Scott, he has launched a business that is helping Canadian companies actually take uh, employee compensation and attract and retain employees through Bitcoin-type compensations. It's very creative, very clever, and we're going to dive deep into the world of Bitcoin. And so for anyone who's ever been curious about how it works or what it is or uh, what does it mean and uh, how do you make sense of the headlines, this is this is the episode for you. So Scott, why don't you quickly introduce yourself and share a little bit about your company, what it's called, and uh, how you got into the space. Uh, sure. And thanks for having me on. Um, so <laughs> Yeah, my, my name is Scott Deedles. I have been in Kelowna for just a little bit over a decade and in financial services since 2008. Um, I spent my career working in, in compensation and benefits and uh, went down the Bitcoin rabbit hole in 2020. And uh, when I, when I, and I think like a lot of people, when they, when they start to really understand Bitcoin, it can be something that really changes the way they look at the world in general. And um, so for a lot of people who, start to get into it, they then start to think about how they might be able to participate and what are the opportunities as the technology kind of spreads its tentacles. You know, it's a, it's a very viral thing. And so my background is compensation benefits and my Bitcoin company is called Block Rewards. And it's sort of a first of its kind company really honing in on the opportunity that employers have using this tool to Put a twist on their on their compensation and reward strategies to uh, incorporate Bitcoin and attract and retain top talent. Ah, it's super cool, super interesting. So, what a fascinating topic. So, so what was it about Bitcoin or the blockchain that got you interested in uh, getting into the space? So, originally, I was, um, you know, as part of the work that I've been doing with benefits and pensions. Um, when things went weird in the spring of 2020, and we basically, as a, as a country, made a decision to create public spending to pay for businesses to stay closed. And um, at the time, you know, I, I really didn't know anything about Bitcoin. I, I didn't, uh, I became interested during the lockdown in inflation. And I was wondering about what all this government spending was going to mean for employer-sponsored savings plans. Because um, you know, when you have it, when you have a savings plan through your company, that money that the that gets uh, skimmed through payroll, it's, it gets invested, and it gets invested uh, depending on what you're doing um, in debt instruments like uh, like bonds, and these things are sensitive to interest rate fluctuations. And long story short, you create the amount of money that we did in 2020, and there's bound to be changes. And uh, so I started reading a lot of books about inflation and, it, and a lot of those books lead to Bitcoin because it, it's kind of this technology that was invented after the 2008 financial crisis to help people escape the, uh, the, the wild ride of um, centralized policy decisions around you know, finance and interest rates. And so when I was, uh, you know, in my lens, I was thinking about you know, okay, so what, what what might this mean for what is it? What does it do? And and what might it mean for my business? And um, that, yeah, that's kind of how we landed on the idea. I think it's fascinating because if you think about um, just the the state of the current economy, we have an un, uh, unemployment rate at an all time low, which means businesses are having to compete for talent. And the idea of using Bitcoin as a uh, as a incentive to, you know, a benefit incentive to join the team. Because at this day and age, at least I think for, for most mature businesses in, in Canada, I'm not quite sure, it's probably similar in the US, benefits are, you know, you, you're, you're pretty likely to get benefits included in a, in a compensation package. 
So how do you stand out as a business looking to recruit people to your team? And having some sort of creative, forward-thinking plan that says, hey, you know what? I can give you something that has a sky's the limit possibility to it. Because what if you could have your, in this case, your your pension um, payment or whatever it is, instead of being paid as a, you know, like you said, like as a, a bond or some other kind of investment, what if it was a, as a Bitcoin investment? You know, what's the potential upside to that? It's pretty interesting. And so what was the, like, how did you figure that out? Because I think you're spot on. I think this is the, the time is right for it. Yeah, there, there's only so many different things a company can do to get creative and differentiate their total reward strategy, right? So we've already seen, you know, unique ideas around work from home, um, childcare coverage. Like it's it's already kind of branched out into I, I think as many practical things as, as it can as it can do. Uh, where Bitcoin gets interesting is because it's it's still so poorly understood by almost everybody. So very, very, very few companies would even think about offering it, which makes it something that is potentially really different, which I think is on its own quite a cool idea. Uh, but the second part is is um, it's money. And so you can build savings plans around Bitcoin, but there are people all over the world, and there are lots of people in Canada that, that take a percentage of their compensation and, and save it in Bitcoin. And so that's part of what we do as well. And I think... Part of what makes it really interesting for employers is you're already paying your staff. So if you want to pay them in something else, it's not going to really cost you much to do that. It's just a value add service. But what it does is it, it creates you know, an opportunity to get familiar with the technology that is uh, evolving rapidly and really get to the forefront of a global technology that, that is. Uh, you know, there's there's no limit to where this thing can go. So um, our money in Canada is 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 losing its purchasing power right now, and so that's something that is also a very real challenge for employers because the, the less your money buys daily, the more pressure you're going to be under to raise salaries and wages, right? And so part of the answer, potentially, in my opinion, could be uh, as Shifting a portion of your compensation to a money that is designed to become more valuable over time instead of less, and it's it's a weird idea to think about, but you know a lot of things when they're new are weird, and then they're then that all of a sudden they're not right. And so um, personally, like I I think Bitcoin in the workplace is going to be as ubiquitous as email is in the workplace, and um, I love to compare the two because. Email is a technology for sending information directly from one person to another. And it's with email, um, the information is like is messages and maybe now files. And uh, Bitcoin is, is just another protocol to send something, send information to somebody else. And it just happens that in this protocol, it's value, it's monetary value. So um, the ramifications for what Bitcoin can do, what it could mean for doing business, uh, are huge and what it might mean for salary and compensation as a result are equally huge. So now one of the big concerns I would say around uh, Bitcoin, not the blockchain, but Bitcoin itself, is the stability around it. I think I think people might be a little bit concerned that, okay, Bitcoin could fluctuate, could go up and down. How does the value work? Is the value going to always go up? Is it going to, like, in the long run, what, what is the risks for a business or an individual who's putting part of their income into Bitcoin? And, or, or is that, is there a risk or is that kind of like an overinflated or something that's just because people don't understand the mechanics of Bitcoin? Yeah, uh, that's a really great question. You know, I think it's important to, you know, a program like this offers a workplace, having it be voluntary uh, is, is where you want to start. And so, it's, it's, a, it's a technology that requires itself some education and you want to come into it with some understanding of what it is you're participating in and what you're doing. Uh, because one of the biggest risks is just not knowing enough. And so where people tend to really 
get a bad taste in their mouth from Bitcoin in the current time is if they don't know enough to know what they're doing, um, they could lose it or they could get caught up in the, you know, within shorter time frames, the price of Bitcoin in Canadian dollars, is, it is volatile. So in, inside six months or a year, you might get up 50%, you might get down 50%. Um, and for people who aren't familiar enough with, with why that why that is, they could be prone to selling it when it's gone down, as an example. That, that's a risk. So education is a, is a huge part of it. And, uh, and I think the, the biggest risk is participating in it without having enough education about it. Well, what, what is the drivers, would you say, that, that really drives the value of uh, Bitcoin? Uh, so Bitcoin is, is um, there's a term in money that is it's called hardness. And hardness of money refers to a, a money's ability to retain its value, its own value over time. And our money uh, is called fiat money. This is when the money has been issued by a central bank or government. And central bank uh, fiat monies are very bad at this by design. So at a 2% inflation target, and, you know, it's always the goal to have our inflation be 2%. So what 2% inflation means is that your money loses 50% of its value every 35 years. That's, that's built into the program. So the reason why we need to constantly raise salaries and earn more money and why the price of everything goes up is because our money is programmed to lose money or lose value by design. And so it's always been this way. Money has always, and this is why our parents talk about going to a movie for a nickel. It's because the money is losing value. And um, the, the, the difference is, is that you know over the last 30 or 50 years, the rates kind of just been slow enough that nobody gets upset about it. And people tend to notice inflation when the, the rate at which money is losing its, its purchasing power gets so fast that it starts to become a problem. And that, that's what we've really experienced in the last three years. And so Bitcoin's biggest value proposition is its hardness because it's the only money in the world that they can never make any more of. And so it, it, it has the, the reverse mechanism really to, to every other money. So this is why it's really a tool for saving. The price goes up and down, but it's the only kind of monetary instrument in the world where when you buy it, the amount that you bought as the total amount that ever is ever going to be available, you you know how much you have of the of the total supply that will ever exist. And that can never change. Like they can no one will ever be able to expand the amount of available Bitcoin on you. It, it, it can't happen. And so it's just that it, this is why it's a really weird idea for people to wrap their heads around because most people, you know, we, we just don't really think about inflation. It's just a normal word. It, it's in our uh, financial language without really giving it a ton of second thought. Um, but, but that's really what inflation is. It is they make more money. And by doing that, it makes the money that you already had before they did that worth less. And so Owning Bitcoin or saving in Bitcoin is participating in a different system where there is no expansion of the money ever. And so this is where it, it takes a, it takes most people a long time to start to start to think about why that might be something interesting or a value. Yeah, and to kind of put this in perspective, the current monetary system that we all participate in is a it's a is a debt system, mm -hmm. and so. Uh, it, whether individuals themselves are borrowing money or the government is borrowing money, that um, through inflation, the total cost of that debt is actually going down over time. And so governments love that because if they borrow a trillion dollars worth of debt, it seems like an exorbitant amount of money. But in, uh, like you said, 30 years, it's actually going to be worth 50 or 500 billion dollars and or whatever half of that is and yeah 500 billion dollars and then the um and then the reality is, is that as long as gdp growth is continued it's actually going to be even a smaller percentage of that because not only has inflation um reduced the amount of debt that they owe but it has increased the amount of taxation that people are paying mm -hmm. and so from a government standpoint it's like this 
it's lottery. It's it's the best thing ever. They can just keep going and you know printing money and and getting their their debt paid for by the um and and, and that's not that's not a bad thing. It's just it's just the system as it is. The, yeah. the problem with that, as we all know, is that you are then you can never get off the treadmill because every year the treadmill is running, and so you you need to basically put in you know place systems or uh, investment strategies that allow you to get ahead of that that treadmill and run faster. Whereas Bitcoin, it doesn't work this way. That, that's exactly right. So there's there's nothing we can really do about the the way the Canadian dollar or any other dollar works. So you just kind of have to think about that. And and this is why Bitcoin presents such an interesting twist on saving because you're much better off. So we we're forced to grow our money when we're investing in when we're investing in things in Canadian dollars because we have to plan for the 100% certain event that our money will be worth less in the future. So we have to grow it or else it's not going to do as much. Uh, and, th- and that's where one potential way, and this is where people are getting, why people are getting so interested in Bitcoin right now, is because it's a way for you to save in the only currency in the world that just doesn't uh, correspond to this set of rules. And this is why the price of Bitcoin is, is going up more and more. So it, the hardness of money, historically, if you go back beyond the, the lifetime of fiat money, um, you know, 600 years, 1,000 years, 5,000 years, the best money in history has always been gold. And that's because gold has better properties than paper money. You know, gold is pretty hard to find, and it takes a lot of work to get it out of the ground. And by this point in history, most of the easy gold in the world, like the big nuggets that are sitting on the riverbank, like that's all been found. You know, so they, so gold, gold is, is tough to find and, it, and it's hard to transport. Uh, so there are a lot of things why the, the gold has held its value over time, especially compre- compared to other things. And, um, Bitcoin has been able to digitize a lot of these really valuable properties and turn it into something that, you know, you can't hold it or touch it, but it has all the things that would, you would want in a money other than that it just doesn't, hasn't been issued by a government, which is another thing that's really weird for, for people to uh, get used to. Here, here's a, here's a fun fact. Um, so I'm pretty sure Switzerland is, is Switzerland's like one of the only countries in the world where their banks still hedge their money against gold. Mm-hmm. Bank, the Bank of Canada does not own a single ounce. No, gold. no. And, and the reason for that is because if I remember correctly, if I remember my history correctly, you might know this better than I do. At one point, the United States legislated that it was illegal for a person to buy gold because the cost of gold was increasing so rapidly that they couldn't, um, it was becoming so expensive to buy gold to match against the U.S. dollar. And mm-hmm. that's where they came up with this brilliant idea. What if we used oil instead? And uh, and so because oil is essentially like being traded across the world globally, uh, primarily through U.S. dollars, it's it basically replaced the 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 way that we do our currency today. And then they use the U.S. dollar as the, the, the currency standard. But that's changing. And so I'm curious to see what happens over the next 30 years because uh, that whole that's a whole nother topic, right? Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so so Bitcoin. Let's go back to Bitcoin for a second, because that that can be like because um, that's just interesting. Um, so so when you go to the mechanics of Bitcoin, um, if there is a limited supply of Bitcoin, why is it that the uh, that it does show signs? And you know, there's there's obviously. Um, probably at this point, hundreds of different currencies available that are all essentially blockchain currencies that you can select from. Why is it that Bitcoin has um, become, quote unquote, the gold standard of digital currencies? And my second question would be, why is that as the gold standard, it still sees the kind of fluctuations it does? Mm -hmm. So the first one of that is the, the key part with any money cryptocurrency or regular government money is the problem of um, when, when, when somebody is responsible for issuing the money, regardless of what that money is or how it was made, the temptation to print more of that money when times are tough throughout the entire history of, of humanity has been irresistible. So 
this is happening now with governments and it's not any different with like, you know, the second biggest cryptocurrency is Ethereum. Like if somebody, if somebody has control over the money printer, eventually it's just human nature. People are going to be corrupted by the temptation to use that power. Oh, to, expl- to exploit the, uh, the, the opportunity, I think. Yeah, to enrich yeah. themselves. And so yeah. this is why Bitcoin is different than all of the, than anything else, digital or non, and why Bitcoin will always be the gold standard in cryptocurrencies because it's the only one that doesn't have a CEO and a board of directors and a marketing team. There is nobody who has um, control over how the Bitcoin network runs. It was designed that way. So this is also why I kind of like the comparison to email. Like, it's just a protocol. And at this point, um, the rules, it's the rules that give Bitcoin the confidence, give people confidence in Bitcoin and give it its value. So the rules can never change because if they changed, the confidence in it would be gone. Right? So people have to be able to trust in the fact that the rules will never change. And if something with that changes, then it'll be worthless overnight. So, so the rules, the rules will never change. And did I just answer both your questions at once, or uh, what was the second question? No, that that. So the question was, and then okay, why does it? Why does so it why fluctuate? Because there clearly is confidence in Bitcoin. I think. Yeah. From, totally. Yeah. Um, part of it is there's a, just a lot of speculation among the people who own Bitcoin. There's a lot of people who still own it to try and trade it back into dollars and that percentage is shrinking as the as the as the percentage of people overall who actually understand what bitcoin does grows the number of people who are in it to speculate or flip it is dropping but it has been a pretty large number because bitcoin's been so lucrative like when you have something that's um gone up on the in the the 2020 kind of cycle run it went from like five grand to sixty-nine thousand us so that's a, a tremendous appreciation in a short amount of time. And at a certain point, a lot of people have a really strong temptation to cash in. And because this thing is really small, still in the grand scheme of things, like Bitcoin is, is half a trillion US dollars. Like that's the total market cap of what Bitcoin is worth. So in terms of what, how that compares to other global financial assets, it's tiny. Gold would be like 12 trillion US, you know, stocks. You're, you're looking at a hundred trillion. Real estate is like 300 trillion. These, these bigger, these bigger assets are so much bigger that it, it's, it's harder to move them. And, uh, Bitcoin is still so small that the market, it's a roller, it can be a roller coaster and, it, and it's going to continue to be for a while. Like I would say until Bitcoin gets to that 10 or 12 trillion, uh, mark, it's going to be a bumpy ride. Yeah. I got it because because the market is expanding as it as it's growing there's going to be natural fluctuations because a relatively small amount of money <clears throat> in the financial market is a relatively big amount of money on the bitcoin market. That's right. And so so if you were to, you know, invest um a billion dollars and then remove a billion dollars from a 300 trillion dollar market Nobody's going to notice it, mm-hmm. you know, like you'll see like a tiny little blip or something, um, remove a billion dollars from the Bitcoin market. And it's like, whoa, what happened? Mm-hmm. But because the market is expanding, it it's it's a ride that you're going to hold on to for a long time. It's it's actually similar in a way to the real estate market where there's a there's a finite um there's a finite amount of land available in the world. And there's especially finite amount of land in specific locations like cities or municipalities. And the reality is, is that demand for cities and municipalities in a growing population is going to increase. And so if you buy property 20 years ago, you're going to do well today. There might be the 2008 financial crisis that happens in the middle of it. But as long as you hold that property for the duration of time, you end up doing much better than you would have had you sold in 2008 at the peak of the crisis. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's very. I, I think it's it's not not dissimilar. I think from from that as far as what I'm hearing you're saying, because there's yeah. such a finite amount. Yeah, the, I think the, the difference is, and what what makes real estate a great comparison is, Bitcoin is is much scarcer because it's actually there. There's a provably finite amount for everyone. So there's 
8 billion people in the world and there's 21 million Bitcoin. So uh, if you wanted to compare Bitcoin to real estate, uh, the, uh, you know, it, it would be like owning real estate in, in the beachfront of Miami because of how, how rare it is. So average people can't do that because with real estate, you have to buy the whole thing. And with Bitcoin, you know, you can buy, it, it's divisible by eight decimal places. So you, you can buy $50 of Bitcoin, but it is that it's as rare as the rarest real estate uh, to put it into a, you know, uh, a, a hierarchy. And it's almost like, um, but, but it gives, because it's divisible, it has the ability to do micro investments. Mm-hmm. And so even if it is very expensive today, you're not paying, you're not buying one, one coin for, um, what is, what is Bitcoin sitting at today? Uh, I think it's about oh, 35, 36,000 Canadian. Yeah. So you're not, mm-hmm. you're not buying one coin for 36,000. You're buying a portion of a coin for the amount that you feel comfortable investing in. Yeah. And, and this is why it makes a really interesting, um, it's something that, you know, to get back to like employer sponsored compensation reward stuff, um, $10 a week of Bitcoin, if you did it every week for a long time, that, that could turn into be a significant amount of money. If you, uh, if Bitcoin continues to appreciate and you, um, are disciplined about it and you, and you just kind of sit on it, like this is a long-term thing. And so if you could imagine being able to buy a beachfront property in Miami over a really long period of time, um, because you don't have to bite off the whole thing all at once, uh, this, this is maybe something similar to an idea of that. And so mm. um, it doesn't even have to be something that replaces an existing savings plan. Like it, it could be something that you offer alongside as a, as a fun thing. And, and it might be, yeah, it might be $15 a figure. Um, because of this, this micro-investment possibility, it's, uh, they're, they're, you know, you could do it however you want it. Yeah, so I see what you're saying. So it's, it's, it, it can be super complementary to whatever you're doing as a business. And what are you seeing from, from um, the teams? Like when you're attracting a person to your company, what, what are they saying? So because of the, I would say, you know, we're still kind of in coming out of the, it's been, we're in the longest bear market in Bitcoin history. We just crossed over 500 days and uh, things really, the sentiment really bottomed out in 2022 when there was the, the big crash with a company called FTX. And I yes, think I remember this. Yeah. So for people who aren't paying attention to Bitcoin, that was a thing that was a very high profile event and it culminated in a, in a big drop in the Bitcoin price. And if you're not watching it or paying attention to it, a lot of people are still there. So the, could you explain just a little bit in like, you know, give context to what, what happened with the FTX crash? Like, yeah. So, so, and this is a good uh, dif- differentiator. Um, the the points of failures with Bitcoin aren't with Bitcoin. They're with the the third party companies that you use to buy and store Bitcoin. And what happened with FTX was they were commingling customer funds and using them to make other investments. And so it's it's the greatest criminal fraud in history. And the only reason that it hasn't made it into the news in that way is that. The founder of that company is also one of the largest political donors in U.S. history. So a lot of the, on both sides of the aisle in the U.S. uh, political uh, federal arena received a lot of money from FTX. And this is why we haven't, we haven't really gotten proper reporting on that, on what happened there. Um, But, uh, but that, that, that's what happened. And so when you say, so 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 you, they're basically embezzling the money, right? Yeah. They're 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 taking somebody else's currency, um, frauding them out, making them think that they have a certain amount of money, but they don't have available to them, um, reinvesting it elsewhere, maybe losing money or spending that money, and then so it's like a giant Ponzi scheme in a way. Yeah. Um. So so what is the government like uh, regulation that's in place now to ensure that that kind of um, situation doesn't reoccur? Yeah. So in Canada. Uh... So the service that's provided when a company is actually holding Bitcoin on behalf of a customer is called custody. And in Canada, the regulations on custody services have gotten pretty stringent. And so for anybody who's in it, the the next biggest sort of 
custodial Bitcoin exchange or cryptocurrency exchange, Binance. And Binance actually exited the Canadian marketplace at the end of September for this reason. So, um, yeah, the, these points of failures are the, are the service providers. And um, this, is a, this is a differentiating point. Uh, with Block Rewards, we, we don't do any custody. So we don't hold anyone's Bitcoin. We are a service that helps people build Bitcoin into compensation, but the employees themselves are responsible for storing their own Bitcoin. And it's an important part of how Bitcoin works is if, if you're not in possession of your Bitcoin, then you, you really just have an IOU. If someone else is doing it for you, you, you just have to hope the best, hope that business doesn't go bankrupt. This is like uh, we were talking about offline before in the conversation with Mt. Gox. So if, you, if you're not in possession of it, that's, that's the risk. And if you can safely manage to, to custody it yourself, you, you've done a, a lot to, to minimize that risk. And that, that's so, what, so everybody in, in this case is going to be getting their own wallet? That's is right. That, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And then where, so, so obviously being a digital currency, if you have your own wallet, storage becomes important because mm-hmm. if you, if you lose it, it's gone. Yeah. Uh, so, so how, what are you, what are you doing there? Uh, yeah. So we, we offer a lot of, uh, service around helping people understand how to do that. It, it's the most important part. I think like, and this, my background from traditional financial services, retail, education is everything. So for people who are participating in a group RSP or a pension plan, it's no different. They're just different tools. And most people go into any kind of uh, employer-sponsored arrangement like that without really knowing a lot. Like, you know, if you have 100 people in a company, you're going to have a handful of people that are really interested in investing and they're going to have their own ideas about what they want to do with their money. And a lot of people really, most people really don't. It's, it's kind of just the way it works. So education is everything. And you need to help people have a, a level of comfort with what they're doing and the base understanding of why they're doing it. and you also don't have a lot of time because, you know, companies that offer this stuff uh, are busy being the company, being doing what they're doing. So it's, it's a huge focus of ours to have great content. And part of what we're doing with that is we have our own podcast. And this is why, this is part of the reason why, uh, to help create different avenues for people to get exposed to these ideas. Yeah, no, it, um, it's really cool. It's really interesting. The uh, so so you know if you have Bitcoin in a wallet, <clears throat> you, you still need to. Um, if you ever want to do anything with it, you're still going to have to take it to an exchange, right? Um, there, yeah. So there, there are a lot of different service providers in Canada that do different things. You don't necessarily need an exchange, um, but yes. So at some point, if it's kind of like you could, you can have your your money under a mattress, but at some point or other, y- you're probably going to need to take it. Um, well, maybe not. This is maybe a perfect analogy because you could always go to str- like directly to a store and just use your your you currency. Can spend it. Bitcoin, yeah, you can spend it. Y- yeah, you can spend it. So with Bitcoin, uh, you, there are. Um, or the, I remember in like this is quite a few years ago. At some point, there were. Um, companies starting to offer that they were going to take Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Um, is that something you're seeing? Is that like people, merchants starting to have like your, you can take your visa, you can take your Bitcoin? Yeah. So there's two sides of that. One, I, I know Bitcoin companies that will pay your visa bill in exchange for Bitcoin. So you can spend your, you can use your visa and you're, you're spending Bitcoin, but the merchant would never know because you're using visa. Um, but on the other side of it, yeah, there, there are a lot of merchants Merchants are going to adopt taking Bitcoin as payment as the market, you know, demands it. So if if car dealerships start losing out on car sales because a number of people want to come in and, and buy a car with Bitcoin, like if, there will get to be a threshold point where they're just going to figure out how to do it. And um, bigger ticket items, you know, that that may be further down the road. But um, yeah, coffee shops, whatever, uh, online retailers. There are, there are lots of businesses, a lot more than people who aren't, again, who aren't following the space. You'd probably be surprised to, to know how many people have had this idea. Bitcoin offers merchants a lot of different uh, tools that are better. So um, it's, it settles finally every 10 minutes. So instead of like uh, if you're taking um, visa payments, 
you know, what a, a, the credit card companies they they take a, a percentage, like they they charge a percentage, which which adds up, and and it's it's the the money's not in your bank account immediately, right? Like there's also a, a delay on the settlement time, and so this is something. And then the third part, I, I guess, would be um, chargebacks. So credit card payments can be reversed. So Bitcoin is uh, there are almost no fees. And it's deposited almost immediately, and there are no chargebacks in Bitcoin. So, so for businesses like that are doing international business, you can send huge amounts of money across the world with Bitcoin in minutes for next to no cost, and it settles finally almost immediately without the possibility of the uh, customer on the other side taking that money back. Um, so there, there are huge, huge, huge implications for what this is going to mean for companies that do business across borders. Yes. So you had mentioned at the beginning um, just how exciting or interesting the opportunities were going to become. What, what are some of the opportunities on the horizon that you are looking at uh, as far as potential for Bitcoin? So this is, yeah, um, I think that uh, it, it, it's also a lot like email in, the, in terms of the way business works. So there would have been a gradual adoption for using email as part of business. And it's the same with social media. You know, we went from a time where social media was a fringe thing to you needed, as a business, you needed to have a social media account. And then you needed to have a social media strategy. And then you needed to have multiple social media strategies for all the relevant platforms. These things, these things become more integrated into the way we do business as they become more viral and more integrated in, uh, into sort of society. Bitcoin has this really unique thing because it is at a bit of an inflection point of people are really starting to notice the pinch of inflation. And nobody really questioned or, you know, I think Bitcoin was easily cast aside as a very niche thing when everyone was happy for the most part with how money worked. And now today you have a lot of people who are unhappy with how money's working and they're at least interested in different potential ideas. And getting back to what we were talking about at the very start of the conversation, you can say with 100% certainty, our money is going to become less valuable over time. And so from a compensation standpoint, the, the idea of uh, trading your time, so our, you know, there's, our time is finite, right? And you, you want to make the most of your, if you're, if you're working, you want to make the best return you can on your time. And so more and more people, as they understand this concept, are going to want to trade their time for better money. So you have today the opportunity to trade your time for the infinite funny money that they can make as much of it as they want, and they will, or for a finite money that is, um, has a really good opportunity to become more and more valuable against the money that is designed to become less valuable. So it, it's, it's just a really interesting time to be in the space because nobody's doing it and everybody should at least be thinking about it, and even in a small way, because of the problems that we have inherently baked into how our money works. And those problems are not going to change. Like, you know, there's, there's a huge amount of gaslighting that goes on with inflation in terms of um, when we hear that it's coming, that inflation is slowing down, that the, the, the assumption or the, the understanding is that that means that prices are going to come back down. So we're never going to have 2019 prices again, ever. The, the, the rate that the prices are going up, that might slow down. You know, that might slow down compared to how it's been over the last little while. But prices will continue to go up forever because the money is going to continue to become less valuable forever. So this is a strategy, you know, saving in Bitcoin is a strategy that unless Bitcoin stops working for some reason, it, it's only going to become more apparent over time because they just can never make any more of it. Yeah, it's a hedge against inflation. One, one of the, the things that... Um, it makes it makes a ton of sense. The this has got to be one of the most uh, the most interesting or coolest things I think I've you know I've gotten a chance to really talk about on this 
podcast. And, and, I, and I talk to people doing cool stuff all the time. And But it's just so interesting because the timing of it is so interesting. Like if you think about, okay, the last two years or the last year, uh, let's say our average interest uh, inflation rate has been 10%, you know, in some place, in some on some things, maybe milk, it's been more than that. On other items, it's been it's been less. But let's say it's average at ten percent. That means next year, even if they brought the interest, the inflation rate down to two percent, it's two percent on top of the ten percent. Right. Which means when when you look at it from yeah, you're you're a finance guy, so you know this. Like like three years ago, um, it, it's not that the inflation has gone up twelve percent. You know, compound it's it's compounded, at, but it compounded two percent over top of ten percent, which mm-hmm. is um, it's insane, right? So inflation, when it starts to go out of control and when it gets a little bit unwieldy, uh, it, it gets extremely unwieldy. And the general population gets a lot poorer for a period of time until wages or something finally catches up, but it takes time. Um, yeah, and so, so this is where, you know, there, there's kind of the entry level of, of a company thinking about how they want to be different. And, you know, it, 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 it's a cool different thing you might be able to offer. The idea itself is much, much, much bigger than that. This is an opportunity to integrate a technology into the fabric of the way your company works that could potentially turn out to be an immense competitive advantage in terms of your ability to attract top people and retain top people by helping them protect their wealth with a technology that's designed to do that. And so companies that get on board with this earlier are going to, I think, um, because the other thing is Bitcoin is going to cycle around. It, uh, Bitcoin, the Bitcoin protocol runs on a predetermined schedule where the issuance of new Bitcoin reduces by 50% every four years, an event that called, that's called the habit. <clears throat> so um, without getting too uh, technical about it, if you could imagine that the amount of gold in the entire world that was being mined, right now the gold supply expands by about 2% every year. So if we knew ahead of time that the total amount of gold in the world that was going to be mined was going to reduce by 50% every four years, the gold price every four years would probably predictably uh, experience a bit of a supply shock. And um, what's going to be interesting about Bitcoin is parallel to that, uh, the, the largest asset managers in the world right now are fighting hard tooth and nail to get a spot Bitcoin ETF approved in the U.S. market. The U.S. is the biggest financial market in the world. We have spot Bitcoin ETFs in Canada already. They, so this is not, for Canadians, it's not something that people, you, you may not think this is a big deal. But in, in the U.S. market, um, e- ETFs are the fastest way, are the simplest way to invest in Bitcoin. Because then you also don't need to go through the hassle of learning how to do Bitcoin owning yourself. Um, so there's $30 trillion worth of assets under management that have applied for our spot ETF Bitcoin in the U.S. And they're all uh, have deadlines for approval between now and March. So if even one, you know, all of Bitcoin is only half a trillion dollars today. So if, if 1% of uh, that $30 trillion makes its way into Bitcoin ETFs, uh, Things are going to, you know, and the, and the other thing is these companies that have applied for those ETFs are the largest shareholders of all of the major media companies. So you're going to see a lot of Bitcoin in the media over the next six months on CNBC and BNN and uh, Squawk Box, all these things, because they're, they're going to be in a place where they will have a Bitcoin product that they can make money on. So they're going to be advertising it to people. So, so you're going to see a lot of Bitcoin, uh, a lot of Bitcoin headlines for the next little while. Yeah. So it's it's fascinating because if you if you fast forward out like 20 years, let's say, um, do you think the demand for Bitcoin will be more or less than it is today? And, I, and I'm kind of asking everybody who's listening to this as well. Just like yeah. the answer to that is kind of obvious, right? So, so what's the value going to be? Right. Everything gets more digital. So just on its own, everything technologies. Uh, tend to get more integrated, not less, if they're creating value for the user. And, you know, outside of that, every single person in the world, every company in the world, every government in the world is subject to this, uh, to inflation. And so it's really, you know, my favorite Bitcoin quote is 
from a, a fellow named Michael Thaler, who's one of the leading kind of Bitcoin minds. Michael Thaler is an MIT grad who runs the world's largest data analytics firm. It's a publicly traded company called MicroStrategies. And his quote is that, uh, and I might butcher, butcher it a little bit, but if you took the most desirable product in the world and stripped away all of the uh, liabilities and obligations that come with running a company, you'd have Bitcoin. So it's something that everybody has a need for and nobody is responsible. You don't have to count on anybody for running it, marketing it. Doesn't, Bitcoin doesn't have salary on staff. They don't have overhead. It, it's, just, it's just a protocol. So you put those two things together. Uh, the way things get more adopted as time goes on, and the fact that there there is a massive latent demand for uh, just for a place where people can put their money, and it and it does more than that, right? Like Bitcoin is money that that can't be censored. So um, I was at a Bitcoin conference in LA last week, and there was a big discussion around this because. A lot of people have this idea around Bitcoin censorship, like maybe we shouldn't be allowed to use our money however we want, or because then you might use it on stuff you're not supposed to. But spending your money however you want is uh, it's bigger than that. You need to be able to voice your opinions freely without the fear of your uh, finances being frozen because you've said something that is against the government. And this affects everyone because governments change. So something that you say today might not be popular with the current government. Somebody might disagree with something you say. But the government could change, and the person who disagreed with what you said in the future, they might be the ones now saying things that are not in line with the current government, right? So free societies need to have money where people are able to speak freely without fear of having their finances frozen. And so Bitcoin offers, beyond all those other things, it offers us the opportunity to have a, a level of financial freedom, and with that comes you know, intellectual freedom and, uh, and, and sort of personal liberty. So it's, it's a really big idea, and there are a lot of reasons why people all around the world are going to be curious about what, what uh, benefits it, it might offer. Yes, uh, I I see that. It, to, to me, that makes so much sense. It's it's um, it falls in line with um, you know the rights of the individual, and you know there are certain rights that I think people should have. Um, you know, the right to water, the right to a house, you know, roof over your head, the right to clothing, the right to food, the right to access, um, you know, the bare necessities. And currency exchange, uh, or, or current, like that, you know, having the uh, ability, I don't see why that wouldn't be a right because, it, you know, for some people, that is literally the ability, the means to access water, food, all these other things that they should have. If you don't have the right to transact, you don't have anything. Yeah. And so it's, um, and then that falls into, you know, freedom and the, of the, so it, it kind of makes sense. But, um, so you were in LA last week. I was in LA last week. Oh, was, cool. Yeah, so you were there for an event, a conference? Yeah, uh, uh, they called it a festival, uh, Pacific Bitcoin Festival. So it was a huge event, 1,500 people. As far as Bitcoin goes, um, yeah, it was incredible. And this is a Bitcoin events like that are really, really something because um, for people who've never been to one, you have it's very hard to conceptualize the scope of the industry that's being erected around Bitcoin. Um, the, and it, when you see these events in person, it, it's shocking because uh, this is a potentially a parallel financial system that's very small today and the, the opportunity is immense. And so there, there are a lot of really amazing entrepreneurs and uh, technology uh, you know, uh, developers who, what's happening is incredible. It's, it's really cool. What did you see there that you thought, man, this is really exciting? Like, what was the most exciting thing for you? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I mean, I, as a as a geek, uh, as a as a Bitcoin you know enthusiast, um, well, there's a company that's working on a product where uh, it's a specialty product to help businesses hold Bitcoin in their corporate treasury and. 
do it in a way where multiple, uh, the company offering this product is a, is a signer on the Bitcoin wallet. So they, they're called multi-sig wallets. And you, you can set up, it's like a safety deposit box that has three keys. And so you, you don't need all three keys to open it. You need two. And uh, they, they've built something that's really slick that's going to make it uh, much easier for businesses to consider owning some Bitcoin without having to constantly worry about the risk of how they're going to safely store it. And uh, it's another, you know, owning Bitcoin as a corporate asset for entrepreneurs is a really interesting way to preserve, uh, you know, non sort of working capital that you don't need short term access to within your corporation because Bitcoin is property. So uh, a lot of businesses would invest in real estate, you know, own a building, own another building. Um, Bitcoin confers a lot of those benefits to companies uh, without a lot of the hassle. So you don't need to renovate your Bitcoin or paint it or find tenants. Uh, there's no upkeep. There's no um, property taxes every year with Bitcoin. Um, so as, as property, as an investment property, it is a really interesting idea. Like there, there are some things worth thinking about. And um, it's also a lot more liquid. So if you need to dispose of Bitcoin, you know, obviously the price is volatile, but selling Bitcoin takes seconds. And selling a, uh, you know, an industrial bay in, in uh, Rutland is going to take you months, right? So, um, yeah, so, so that was pretty cool. That, that is pretty, pretty interesting. The, the other side, I think, um, for anybody listening to this who may, maybe doesn't understand or doesn't know, um, is so the blockchain itself is, is just a fascinating concept. The idea that you can, uh, like you said, you, you can uniquely identify property. And once you have that, um, essentially that key, it's encrypted, it's, it's unique, it's only yours, nobody else can get it. Um, it becomes something that you can then apply to almost anything. So you obviously it's applied to to Bitcoin, but you could, um, you know, I think in the foreseeable future, it's not hard to imagine that the blockchain is going to be applied to things like the licenses on vehicles or the license like or on um, or property like uh, property titles could be easily something that you have the blockchain. And then what it would allow people to do is to ensure that um, title theft doesn't happen. I saw in the U.S. that, uh, you know, this is happening still. Like, people are literally able to steal titles hmm. right from underneath somebody. And um, and it's... But if you had it within the blockchain, that would eliminate that problem. And you could even have it as, like, you could have your, your traditional title, but then you could have your blockchain title sort of as the, um, you know, the the... The verification key and then that way you know that even if someone tried to steal it you always have the the blockchain so this there's uses for this technology where i think um it is going to become more and more ubiquitous throughout society there's the um yeah uh diffusion of innovation curve which is really fascinating and and on the diffusion of in innovation curve you always start with you get a few people at the very beginning who are um, high risk um individual like high risk tolerance so they have a lot of money they 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 don't really um, have any risk associated with trying new things. So they can invest in Bitcoin, they could invest in new stuff. Um, and then you get the next one is you get the early adopters who tend to be um, also, you know, maybe a little bit um, more of an appetite for risk. And then they jump on board. Um, but they're also very influential. So once you get the early adopters on board, they tend to really communicate. They, um, they're, they're very, uh, they're, 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 uh, naturally communicating with their their social sphere, and then what happens is that as soon as you tap into the early majority, which Bitcoin is just about to get to, yeah. the size of the market between the early majority to the late majority, and then the late adopters and the laggards, is a huge market. That's yeah. the bulk. But once it tips over, um, the, the 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 curve adoption is massive, and then. Uh, and so I'm, my guess is we're probably somewhere there. And then the other side of it, where I, I think about, which is more from an investment thing, I read a book that was published in like the 1980s. It was an investment book and it was awesome. It's such a great book. I, I, got a, I can't remember the title of it. I read it and I started investing in the stocks, applying the principles from that book. And it's very counterintuitive. He says, you know, most stock books are like, spread your investments thin, buy, um, 
you know, buy a diverse portfolio, mm-hmm. make sure you've kind of like, don't put all your, his, his recommendation is completely the opposite. And it's like only invest in businesses that you understand only invest in businesses that are showing a profit consistently. Like if you go to their AGMs or their, you know, the quarterly earning potential, like make sure only invest in businesses that are, um, so you understand it, they're, they're showing quarterly, but then there's a timing to it. And the timing to it is, is really important because let's say, so I've, I've invested in Facebook because I understood Facebook. I understood the mechanics of it. Um, my whole business is built over top of it. Like I just, I understand Facebook. So then I invested in it, but I didn't just invest in it. I waited till the timing made sense. And so there's this curve, which is sort of like what Bitcoin's gone through now, where you have people who are not going to sell. And then you have people who don't really understand the stock or they don't understand the business or they don't understand the currency. And so they're sort of, um, they're flippers. They're buying it high or buying it low, selling it high. At least that's their idea. And they're, but um, sometimes they get it right. Sometimes they get it wrong, but there's a portion of the market that follows that. And once you see that the price starts to flatline long enough, um, it creates what's called a frying pan look. So it's like the stock comes down and then you, you have, and then you wait until just starts to, to climb a little bit. And then it flattens out again. And when it flattens out again, that's the handle. And the reason it's, ha- it's flattening out is it's like the last remnants of the flippers who are like, oh, finally it went up, now I'll sell. Mm-hmm. And then after that handle, that's when you watch the market go bananas. And the reason for that is because the core value the, the, of the business or the, um, in this case, Bitcoin, it was always there. Mm-hmm. The core value is always there. It was profitable. The business was growing. Their their adoption of of uh, the product is is expanding. Their economics makes sense. Their business model makes sense. Whatever it is, that that was always in line. And so it was only a matter of time for it to take off. But then you follow these curves, and so I did that, and um, it, it was yeah, you get you get phenomenal returns in a very short period of time, mm-hmm. and um, and so and, and this whole theory is like rather than investing in like. 20 businesses, because you're never going to know 20 businesses that are going to be that successful. You only really want to be investing in like three. And you want to take the lowest performing one and put it into the highest performing one. Um, But with Bitcoin, I kind of see the same thing. Like the timing today is right. I would suspect don't take, I'm not a financial advisor by any means. It's not my specialty. Don't, don't take my recommendation. I'm just thinking for myself mentally, my process would be like this. And then I'll be like, then I'm going to hold it for another 20 years. Yeah. So like if it does dip or go up, I'm not going to, I'm going to ignore that. Yeah. And what's interesting about the blockchain technology is it's auditable. So it's, it's, it's provable today that, like an increasing percentage of Bitcoin hasn't moved in six months and in 12 months. We can see the speculators leaving and what's left. And this is why the price, it did, it cratered and it's consolidated kind of between 26 and 30,000 US. Like it still is, uh, you know, is that's where it's flatlined to your analogy. And yeah, it's, it's possible to view every individual Bitcoin wallet there is. And so you can see the ones that aren't moving and the ones that are and how the Bitcoin is migrating and consolidating into the serious Bitcoin holders. And that's what's been going on over the last two years. Yeah, it's very, very interesting. So how does somebody get a hold of you? How do they get in touch with you? Yeah, um, our website is blockrewards.ca. If you want to check us out and learn a little bit more about some of the different services or, or ideas we have for businesses that are thinking about this, I'm, I'm active on LinkedIn if you want to find me there or on Twitter. Um, my handle on Twitter is Lantern Bitcoin. And uh, yeah, would, would love to hear from you. If, you're, if you've listened to this and, and you, just, you, you're, you just want to have a conversation, you think it's interesting, I, I, I love what I do and that I have the opportunity to do this through a business. And I, I want to help as many decision makers and entrepreneurs as I can understand how to leverage this into a tool to help your business excel. Because this, this is why I, this is why I found a blackboard. This is what it's about. This is super cool, Scott, man. I, we're going to have, I'm going to have you on this the show again in the cool. future. And it's going to be so cool. Cause we're going to be like, okay, what, where were you here? What's that going to look like in the future? Um, that that's very, very awesome. So Man, super grateful to have you on this. Uh, I hope this has been interesting to people. It's super interesting to me. And I, and I think it's like one of those topics that um, it's like, it's one of those, those those things where people like, it doesn't matter what the dinner table conversation was. When you start talking about Bitcoin, everyone's like, 
like leans in, right? Yeah. Like, tell me a little more. And so it's, I, I think it's going to, I think it's really interesting. And, and, you know, so I'm, I'm really wishing your business like the best in the future. And I know that this is something that for businesses that do take advantage of it, it's definitely going to give you a bit of a competitive differentiator in a market where we are competing for talent right. and talented people build great businesses. So yeah, it's important. I appreciate you having me on. It's, it's been a real treat. Awesome. All right.